Welcome to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, one of the fastest growing movie podcasts in the world, where we discuss all things film. In this episode, we discuss the best animated shows from Nickelodeon. Hello, movie friends. Welcome back to the show. Anthony here. And James here. And are you ready to feel old? Because this is going to be a nostalgia-full episode as we go over the greatest animated TV shows of all time from Nickelodeon. Now, before we get into the episode, we have a very special movie poster giveaway happening in this episode. We are going to give away a free Marvel poster of a Marvel movie of your choosing Thanks to MoviePosters.com, the way to enter this contest is to go to our YouTube channel and post your favorite Marvel movie in the comments of this episode. And if you don't win, just use our coupon code RAIDERS10 to get 10% off your entire order today at MoviePosters.com. Now, this is the three main networks, the Nickelodeon, Cartoon Network, and Disney. They all, like, ran our childhood. And also, we grew up watching the Looney Tunes when we were, when we were really little, but I think Nickelodeon... From the late 90s to the early 2000s, I think they had the best cartoons as a whole. If you put them all together, compare with the other networks, they I think they have the best. Well, there's an era from like 1996 to 2000 that they were like unstoppable. They had all the best shows. It was insane. I mean, they had Rugrats, Doug, SpongeBob was starting up. It was ridiculous. Rocket Power, so many great shows that like Anthony said, ran our childhood. We watched these Pretty much almost every day we were watching cartoons from Nickelodeon sometimes. And also we watched Disney Channel, Cartoon Network. Yeah, and like, we watched uh, Pokemon and Dragon Ball Z. They were on a different network. I think they were on Cartoon Network. Yeah, I think they were. Yeah. And then Looney Tunes was a, a Saturday morning staple in the house every week. And that was always fun and a great time. But something about Nickelodeon, they just took over kids entertainment starting in the 1970s and ever since then they've they're still killing it obviously shows like spongebob is still running which is absolutely incredible it's on its 13th season this year hasn't come out with a season every year but Crazy. i mean that's still incredible for yeah. an animated show to still be going that long and i think time has been taken off so they could focus on each of the movies as well so that's probably why they had years off. True, and it's, I'm sure it's pretty hard to write. Yeah. You know, when you <laughs> to keep c- making c- people keep laugh, funny episodes and stories about sponging and animals and a marine <laughs> life in a fake <laughs> ecosystem and a reality down in the ocean. Yeah. And, and Nickelodeon, I think the reason why they were so successful is they were so creative, and the characters were extremely memorable and you know extremely quotable as well. Like we were quoting them constantly, and their characters became iconic. Whether it be SpongeBob or Rocket Power, like. Fairly Odd Parents, and you know when we were younger, Ren and Stimpy, Rugrats. You know these were things that we grew up watching, and they also instilled a lot of valuable lessons on kids. Except for like you can't not really Ren and Stimpy or Rocco too much. Yeah, those are a little different, especially Ren and Stimpy. But the other shows, they always managed to instill pretty good life lessons to kids. Um, I'm not. I haven't watched any cartoons in in years now, but I'm sure they're still keeping up that that idea with. Um, our cartoons nowadays, whereas opposed, to, I think Cartoon Network, Network was more just very entertaining, and those shows didn't have that many life lessons. Like Courage Cowardly Dog, Dexter's Lab. I mean, I don't think they were filled with intrinsic life lessons and moral things. I think Courage kind of had that a little bit, like dealing with trauma and stuff like that. But I mean, Ed, Ed, and Eddie, you weren't learning <laughs> yeah, much from that show. Exactly. <laughs> but like all these shows, like Rocket Power, like there's always like a conflict, and then. You learn something valuable about like Otto being selfish and learning that it's not all about winning or Regina trying to find acceptance and get people to, to not to take her seriously just Subscribe because she's a girl. Zine. Yeah, exactly. So they always had great values instilled in 
them. And their live action shows had that as well. And mm-hmm. we, we'll do another episode some other time on the live action shows because we grew up on those as well. I mean, Are You Afraid of the Dark was iconic. That's one of oh, my yeah. all-time favorite shows when I was a kid. Guts. But like, yeah, Guts. Legends of the Hidden Temple. All of those oh, were fantastic. It's going to be another great episode. So yeah, we want to do a live action uh Nickelodeon TV show of that and obviously we'll do Disney Channel we'll do Cartoon Network we'll do all these because you know we we obviously almost always talk exclusively about movies but we've been thinking like our entire lives and childhood were shaped by cartoons as well more I than mean, anything more than movies that's we one kids. of the reasons why we probably love movies so much is we were addicted to talk cartoons addicted to these TV <laughs> shows on Nickelodeon and everything and then uh, that all landed us into being huge film lovers I think now y'all addicted to TikTok <laughs> yeah, I'm on TikTok every day so I mean <laughs> who are we to say yeah, who are we true. to judge who, who am I <laughs> you're a nobody what do you believe in <laughs> <laughs> now, um, what are the elements you think that make a great animated TV show or cartoon? Well, I think the 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 concept in terms of the world that's built, and then the characters are the two most important aspects. So, like when you take uh, Bikini Bottom, a world under the sea, but also you you mix in amazing characters that are so unforgettable and very lovable. Also, I think opening songs and credits are yes. super important. Yes. Some of these shows have iconic ones that. You couldn't help but sing along every time you were watching an episode of it, even though you'd seen that show a thousand times. I mean, everyone still knows the lyrics to the SpongeBob theme song, even though I haven't watched it in like a decade. But like, are you ready, kids? Aye, aye, Captain. <laughs> I, can't, I can't hear you. Like, it's it's so great. It's silly cat, humor. Dog, cat, dog, cat, diggity dog. Yeah, this is amazing. I also think a great element to a, a cartoon animated show would be entertainment for both kids and and parents, which I think SpongeBob is the crown jewel, not just of cartoons and animated shows, but of being able to entertain both audiences. Uh, agreed. And then a show like Ren and Stimpy that had a lot of mature humor injected into it for kids. That was like, I think, imagine if, imagine if if parents knew their kids were watching Ren and Stimpy, they'd probably freak out today because yeah. it had a lot of sexual innuendos and stuff like that. And it was a kids show, disturbing imagery too, but it wasn't subtle yeah. or hidden like SpongeBob. The adult references, even if like great literary the references, head. they're going over the heads of yeah. kids. Kids have no idea what it is because it's just hidden in plain sight. But adults might even find SpongeBob more funny than kids, which is why I think it's such a terrific show. And then shows like Hey Arnold, I think they were very uh, exclu- inclusive for every age as well. Whereas a show like Rocket Power, I think, was definitely mainly just for kids. Cat Dog, Angry Beavers, just super silly. And even I think a lot of these shows inspired like animated films in the future. You can say that. Monsters, Inc. had to have been inspired by our real monsters. Like, there's no denying that. I mean, it's a school of monsters who are learning how to scare humans. Like, it has to have had an impact on the creation of Monsters, Inc. But the concepts alone, like, the original idea of a concept of a show is its greatest strength. And that's why I think a show like The Wild Thornberries, which is iconic, that's such a great concept of a show where it's this family traveling around the world making this nature television documentary show and the lead character Eliza speaks to animals but only she knows she speaks to animals no one else knows she can do it and it's really cool concept so I love the surrealist nature of cartoons when it's done really well with a great concept like that and I I love the depiction of adults in these shows they're always either really funny like Nigel is just hilarious and such a nerd about animals and then you get like villainous characters and like teachers and it's it's great how they depict the entire world that 
kids see from their perspective, yeah. like how they look at a teacher. It's portrayed accurately in this in shows like these. The relatability is very high, especially shows like Doug with what's you're like what it's like going through adolescence, or then even Rugrats when you're a little kid, you're a toddler, and your imagination is teeming, and you, everything you can you see in the world can be anything to your eyes and your imagination. And all these little babies are just talking together and they're <laughs> getting their own adventures, which I'm sure we all thought we were doing when we were speaking and, yeah. and mumble goo goo gagas together. I would say that Hey Arnold might be the most relatable cartoon yeah probably what i would say it's, it's the most grounded i think yeah. and most relevant to or most accurate to maybe what it's like being a and kid the, and the storytelling was very much like related to like things that happen in our own lives and there are things that you would encounter conflicts and situations whereas you know, you know spongebob is not you're not going to encounter anything like that but um i think that hey arnold really captured uh, authenticity of real life and putting it into a cartoon. Yeah, and real world situations that kids go through, you know, bullying or parental issues or yeah. neighborhood issues, stuff like that. I think, hey, Arnold, you're right, did a great job capturing what it's kind of like growing up as a kid. Although, what is it, the fifth graders are huge compared to them. <laughs> well, that's what it's like when you're a kid. Yeah, when you're a kid, it feels like. When you're like, okay, it, say, like when you're in, in middle school, like I, high schoolers seem like adults to you. They're like giants. Yeah, they're so huge. And you're like, oh my God, like, I don't, I'm so nervous to go to high school and then as an adult you look down at high schoolers and to me high school looks like a little kid to it me it looks like a hobbit yeah <laughs> <laughs> even if they're tall they still have like a baby face and i'm like that how how was i intimidated by that when i was a kid <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty silly but these shows are great i can't wait to get into it now before we continue the best way to support raiders of the lost podcast besides using our coupon codes is to become a patron at patreon.com slash raiders of the lost podcast where you get awesome perks like our podcast schedules personalized videos Patreon shouts in the show, weekly bonus episodes for all patrons, as well as monthly Zoom calls and watch parties. We're doing a very, we're doing an, we just did an Oscars watch party with everybody. So our uh, $10 and $25 tier patrons have access to our Discord and Instagram group, group chat. They get to participate in these fun watch parties that we do. And Godfather tier patrons at the top of the list have their own episode that they get to choose for themselves, which is super cool. We also launched our podcast masterclass online course. So for anyone who wants to start a podcast or improve their current podcast, our 22 chapter 46 video lesson course will give you all the secrets behind the scenes of our show. The link is podcastmasterclass.teachable.com or just go to our website, raidersofthelostpodcast.com. It's right there on the homepage. You can also see all of our sources of content, our merch, movie posters. Follow, subscribe, wherever you're listening. Thanks so much for tuning in to the show around the world. Now let's get back into our episode on best Nickelodeon animated shows. All right, you want to get into the list? Well, actually, I, I thought I'd go a little history on oh, Nickelodeon, the show. So Nickelodeon, often referred to as Nick, is an American television channel which first tested in De on December 1st in 1977 and eventually launched in 1979 as the first cable channel for children. It's owned by Paramount Global through its media networks division and is based in New York City. They also have a, a place or headquarters here in L.A. Its programming is primarily aimed at children aged 2 to 17, while it's some of its program blocks target to a broader family audience. It was sold uh, by its owner Cube to Warner Amex Sally Entertainment in 1986, along with its sister networks MTV and VH1. So that it's kind of together with those three. So they hit every kind of age group of young adults and kids throughout the history. Nickelodeon has existed as a sister channel through Kids Entertainment, with morning block aimed pre morning blocks of entertainment aimed at preschool children, and then Nicktoons was branded as its own sister channel launched in 2002. Let's see what else. We have all different types like Teen Nick, Nick at Night, which was great Nick when we were night, kids. Yeah. 
And it got its channel's name from the first five-cent movie theaters called Nickelodeon's Way in the Way long ago. Back a long time ago, that's what they were called. Nickelodeon's vaudevillian kind of esque films. And now it's just a huge mega entertainment corporation. And obviously, like the Nickelodeon award show is really big where you get slimed slimed and everything like that. And just so many great shows, not just animated shows, but also fun game shows for kids when we were growing up. The game shows were awesome. They're the best Legends of the Hidden Temple, climbing the aggro crag and everything. Man, guts. Do you have it? And the game shows, too, like Double Dare. Yeah, Yeah. they were a blast. So we'll we'll do an episode on all those some other time. But, you know, the cartoons are really where they shine. And I think starting off with probably the best cartoon that Nickelodeon's ever made and one of the best cartoons animated shows of all time, SpongeBob SquarePants. Now, SpongeBob, I'm sorry, you can go. I was just going to say, you could argue that this is like the goaded cartoon show. Probably. Because it is... It's still to this day consistently funny. It always has been. It's never it's never lost its height of comedy. So entertaining for like you said all ages and so creative with the the design of the characters, the the stories. It's it's just uh and you just love the world. Like you just love SpongeBob and his neighbors and the Krusty Krab and all the antics and hijinks they get into. It's on it's always just a, a good time. Now, SpongeBob aired for the first time on May 1st in 1999 and it's still running. It's currently in its 13th season and like we said earlier, it doesn't usually come out with a season every year because I'm sure it takes a long time to make these shows and everything it's a lot of episodes there are a few consecutive years where they do come out with seasons but they do have some hiatuses where like for three or four years they don't have a new season it was created by steven hillenberg who is a marine educator the series chronicles the adventures of the title character spongebob squarepants and his aquatic friends in the fictional underwater city of bikini bottom many of the ideas for the show and series originated in the Intertitle Zone, an unpublished educational book that Hillenberg, the creator, made in 1989 to teach his students about undersea life. That's amazing. He started like out in classrooms. Yeah, and then he pitched a seven-minute pilot to Nickelodeon, and then it went into development. During his pitch meeting, he brought a fish tank into the boardroom uh, with marine life in it. He made like a house and stuff, and then then he put SpongeBob in the tank and said, "This is your new lead character for your show. <laughs> His name's SpongeBob." Now, SpongeBob is the highest-rated series to air on Nickelodeon, as well as the most profitable par- property for Paramount Consumer Products, having generated over thirteen billion dollars just in merchandising revenue as of twenty nineteen. For so, all of Paramount, for all Paramount Consumer Products. So I don't wow. know if all oh, that's merchandise. Yeah. So not, wow. that doesn't count like movies and stuff like wow. that. Wow, that's crazy. And so far, the show was so popular that there have been three movies as well. So in 2004, the SpongeBob SquarePants movie was released. Then in 2015, the SpongeBob movie Sponge Out of Water. In 2020, most recently, the SpongeBob movie Sponge on the Run. We saw a couple of those. I don't remember. I don't think I saw the last one. I haven't though. seen the most recent one, yeah. but I remember watching the very first episode of SpongeBob. I don't know what was going on around the house. We were doing some sort of construction internally in the house, and the, their living room was rearranged in different ways. And I remember the couch was just like diagonally in the middle of the living room, and we just watched it with Dad on the couch with the TV just like off a wall, just like kind of just chilling. I remember it was like hotly anticipated because they were doing they were running the ads for it all along Nickelodeon, and so. When it finally aired, it was so exciting. I remember being like extremely giddy and just like, oh my God, it's finally on to to see the first episode and it's the Bubbles episode and it was so much fun. And I think from that moment on, all the like kids like us, we all watched it at the same time across the country and we were all 
captivated and fell in love with this world. I think we were the perfect age. We were nine years old when SpongeBob first aired, and we were just like captured immediately. And I love SpongeBob still to this day. It's funny. Yeah. And I love like looking at memes of SpongeBob or little clips because it just brings me back to all the times it made me laugh. And it's so innocent with its stupidity, very well hidden to children, but blatant adult humor as well as like intense and relevant intelligent references to like literary history and stuff like that and the, and the characters are great you have spongebob and then patrick squidward mr krabs plankton sandy and they're all so different and memorable and unique and and great in their own ways and it's it's the characters that make the show everyone knows spongebob you yeah. know the voices are great again the characters are great gary his pet gary. snail Patrick Starr, Squidward is hysterical with his clarinet and always thinking he's better than everybody in pretentiousness, and he always gets he's just an like, artist. Yeah, beaten down emotionally every episode. <laughs> <laughs> Working at the Krusty Krab is great. He's making burgers. Krabby Patties. He's man. making burgers in the ocean. It makes no sense, but it's great. I think SpongeBob is the reason why I love burgers so much. It's gotta be. <laughs> or I love burgers being cooked. Like I could yeah. watch burgers cooked on TikTok all day. I'm not even kidding. I love watching the Krabby Patty recipe, and Plankton's always trying to get it with. His his amazing schemes. The best one is when he designs a Mr. Krabs looking robot and it's got like <laughs> wheels and stuff, but he keeps it's it's fool SpongeBob and SpongeBob thinks it's really Mr. Krabs. It's so funny. And there's so many still like gags that you remember and you can recite and quote and slogans like I'm ready. I'm ready. Like all sorts of stuff like that just makes it so iconic. I have some of my favorite episodes that I could remember. So the ripped pants one that was such a funny one. Did somebody you order a hundred boxes? 20 pairs of uh, no, ripped pants. 20 boxes of ripped pants. <laughs> Something like that. But he's like, on his, he's like dying. He's like, come closer. <laughs> closer. <laughs> so silly. The, I think my, but my favorite episode I always loved was the graveyard shift one where Squidward and SpongeBob are stuck in the crab, in the Krusty Krab overnight working. And then there's the hash slasher, like the the murderer story that he tells SpongeBob. But then also there's someone outside dressed and looking like the hash slasher. It's just so. Are they funny. just trying to like order food too? Yeah, it ends up being just some guy who's trying to get in. <laughs> <laughs> and there's some other great ones, muscle arms, where he, oh yeah, he wants to be jacked, so he blows up those like inflatable <laughs> arms, and everyone thinks he's super strong and everything. He can't even lift like he can't even bench press the thing with teddy bears on it. <laughs> and then the flying Dutchman is great. When you're, good, you're good. You're Good. You're good. You're good. <laughs> Backing up the boat. <laughs> the, a great creative one is the Glove World, where they go to the Glove World theme park, but then the they get stuck in the middle of like downtown, and it's nighttime, and they encounter all like the night fish and. There's that road that is like perpendicular to the ground. It's like a 90 degree angle and they're waiting for the bus and the bus doesn't show up. It's, that's a great creative one. And then also the Franken doodle when he draws like a, a doodle of himself that comes to life. Oh, yeah. It's like a Frankenstein's monster. <laughs> What's the one where they're they're getting caught by fish hooks by human beings in the sky? Oh, I can't remember what the, the, that yeah, one was. And there's like food yeah. attached to it and yeah, everyone's yeah. like, can't, yeah. can't resist it. Yeah, they just <laughs> they gravitate towards it. The, the I, Fry Cook games when they... Uh, him and him and Patrick are jacked and they wrestle. Yeah, I think one of my favorite episodes is when he's he meets Sandy and he's trying to impress her. The first her. time, yeah. And so he like goes into her like underground uh, breathing <laughs> world, whatever you want to call that. Her her area, her bubble, her, her bubble, bubble home. Yeah. And he tries. He takes off his helmet, thinking he's cool and he can survive without the water. And he's like just getting dehydrated. He's like, I don't need it. I don't need it. I definitely don't need it. I need it. 
<laughs> and they're so creative with the animation because they'll do like live action sometimes and then they'll do like high resolution images like that one in particular that there's an image of him completely dry but it's like high resolution painting yeah it's great <laughs> it's a classic show the chocolate episode is great mm-hmm. fry cook games is phenomenal i mean it's spongebob we all love it so much i think uh it might have the best uh, opening theme song too it might I it's definitely it... the most catchy yeah definitely the most catchy mm-hmm. super fun um, but yeah, I think that that wraps up a quick little. Yeah, we have a big SpongeBob. list, so we're gonna talk about each show for like five minutes or so. And again, from 1999 to current, it is still running. Moving on to Doug. Now, Doug was running from 1991 to 1994. It was created by Jim Jenkins, and the show focuses on the early adolescent life of its title character, Douglas Doug Funny, who experiences common predicaments while attending school in his hometown of Bluffington. Doug narrates each story in his journal, and the show incorporates many imagination sequences. The series addresses numerous topics, including trying to fit in, platonic and romantic relationships, self-esteem, bullying, rumors. Many episodes center on Doug's attempt to impress his classmate and crush, Patty Mayonnaise. Patty Mayonnaise. And again, so memorable. This is probably the first one we grew up watching. I, I remember our brothers were really big fans of Doug, and then we would watch it with them, and then eventually we were just watching it on our own. Uh, again, really relatable. The animation is, is just super simple. The characters are great. You got Skeeter, his best friend, and then Roger. The uh, bully. The bully with the, the leather, leather jacket, jacket and, his... and like the red hair. Remember <laughs> the one where he turns into like a giant like dragon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Doug has to fight him because Doug super imaginative, and he imagines himself as Quail Man. Uh, a superhero fighting uh, against uh, enemies like Roger and then having the big crush on Patty Mayonnaise. And I love the animation of Doug because it's very simple. And the thing with the with these shows is they were we were watching the reruns, really. We were very young when they were came, came out, like Doug 1991. We were a year old. So these shows were still so popular that even though their runs ended, they were still getting reruns shown on Nickelodeon constantly and like every day was like a different Nickelodeon classic cartoon that they were showing and it really felt like it was like oh this is like what real life like I'm, there's the girl I have a crush on it's like Patty Mayonnaise and I, I'm like Doug I'm like a, a nervous loser around her <laughs> and his dog Porkchop was Pork the Chop. man his dog Porkchop was like a human he like he was reading magazines in bed like always like sh- rolling his eyes shaking his head he seemed like to be the most intelligent one in anyone in the show in the quail man outfit was just like him wearing Wearing a blanket wrapped around his neck. And, so he had a belt around his, his head, head with a and Q. Then, and his underwear on top of his shorts, yeah, right? Yeah, and then he had a, a blanket over him for a cape. So it was like, it's like the Captain Underpants outfit. Classic. But I mean, they tackle all sorts of issues that are relevant to kids growing up in adolescence. And uh, Jim Jenkins, he based a lot of the show off his real life experiences. And there's some great, you know, episodes about dealing with bullies. Like his, there's one where his old best friend comes, moves to town, and they hadn't seen each other for years. And he was super excited to introduce him to Skeeter, but he ends up being a huge bully to both of them, and they don't get along at all. Oh, and then yeah. There's one where he's taking a test, and I think he was thinking about cheating on the test or something like that because he didn't have time to study. So it's really great at showing you life lessons, dealing with your having actions with consequences, and you know real-world situations that we all go through. It's not just mindless entertainment, which is fine. There's a place for that, but it's also giving you lessons in life for kids. Again, which makes it one of the best of the all of the entire list. And I really like the animation. It's very simple, but it's it's really I. It's even crude at times, but it works. Yeah, and everyone. Work. I like how everyone's like a completely different color. Like there's green character, there's a yellow character. It's ridiculous. And so this was actually the Nickelodeon's one of their original cartoons that appeared alongside Rugrats and Ren and Stimpy in 1991 on the same day. 
Yeah, they, that's all, crazy. they all premiered on one day. So it had 52 episodes over four seasons from 1991 to 1994. All right, let's move on to the next one. This was a big one for us. Hey, Arnold. Hey, Arnold. Iconic football-shaped head Arnold <laughs> living in uh, Washington. And How did that hat stay on? I have no idea. I drew so many pictures of Arnold because we used to draw a lot when we were kids, so we would, I would always draw the cartoons we watched, and I couldn't tell you the number of times I drew Arnold's football-shaped head with the hat. And, easy easy character and, to draw. And the hair on either side of the hat. It's like, yeah. does he have hair underneath the hat? It's just like a, he's got a bald head. A bald spot. <laughs> but uh, these characters are memorable. The design's great. The the cartoon creations are, are just terrific. And again, I think it's the most relatable of all the shows. It has a lot of great life lessons for kids. Also, it tackles you know difficult themes that every that not all kids have to go through, but some kids deal with. You know how he doesn't even his parents aren't home. That's not something that most kids deal with, but there are kids who deal with it, so that they're able to touch on difficult things like that for a main character, which is pretty rare for other cartoons. So, Hey Arnold was created by Craig Bartlett. It originally aired on Nickelodeon. On October 7th, 1996, and ran until June 8th, 2004. The show centers on a fourth grader named Arnold Shortman, who lives with his grandparents in an inner city tenement in Hillwood, Washington. Episodes center on his experiences navigating urban life while dealing with the problems he and his friends encounter. Many episodes focus, however, on other characters, including major, secondary, supporting, and even minor characters get their own episodes. Like, doesn't the mailman have his own episode? Yeah, he has his own episode. Yeah, and this is a great cast. You get Arnold, Gerald, Helga, who's the bully but also secretly in love with Arnold. Harold, the, he's another, like, bully. Brainy, Sid, Eugene. Eugene. <laughs> And great, great episodes too. Like stoop kids afraid to leave his stoop. Stoop kids afraid, afraid to leave his stoop. Pigeon Man, Arnold's Christmas, the, Parents yeah. Day. The Pigeon Man's a great one. That was a touching one. And the the guy he like flies away in all his pigeons carrying him. <laughs> it's like Icarus in the sun. Yeah, the baseball one where every time Arnold hits the ball, it hurts somebody. Yeah, and I love their football sequences, the football games they play. And, and I like it's like the inner city setting where the baseball diamond. It's not a baseball diamond. It's just like an, an empty lot that they clean out, and it's like in between three buildings, and like that's the baseball field. And I, I love that aspect to it. The the if that setting really was a lot different from any other show we were watching. It felt realistic, felt authentic, and you know Gerald's a great best friend. They're, them two together is awesome. Helga is hilarious because she's a huge bully, but then you find out that she's secretly in love with Hey Arnold with Arnold, and she has that gu- bubblegum shrine. <laughs> yeah. Oh my to god, Arnold. the shrine! Yeah, inside her closet oh that's my... secretly there. That's so ridiculous. And then Eugene's in love with Helga, and he's always just like staring at her on the most like. <sighs> <laughs> it's great. Really great characters. Lots of complex themes for kids to deal with and life lessons like we were talking about with Doug similarly. And what's unique about Hey Arnold is the voice actors were all kids as opposed to adults making kid-like voices. Hey Arnold's cast, they were all kids between the ages of 9 to 15. And I think, I mean, you wouldn't know that, but I feel like it felt different. It felt more authentic. The voices like, felt better. Yeah, it, yeah, felt, it felt like they real. were real. Because rather than like some... Like a voice actress making a funny voice or a guy making a, a squeaky, like a high-pitched voice to portray a, a little kid. Actually having kids portray kids, I think, felt better. And I think one of my favorite episodes of a cartoon of all time is the Snow Day episode of Hey Arnold. Because snow days were so fun and special, especially if you, unless you didn't live in a cold-weather environment. <laughs> Sorry, snow days were the greatest thing ever because you get to skip.
skip school, you hang out with your friends outside with snowball fights and building snowmen and everything. And it's it's, it's just awesome. like a great, great episode and so fun, especially the ridiculous amount of snow they get. It's similar to uh, Massachusetts. And that episode was actually paired with the heat wave episode. You're right, yeah. And, and the, it's funny because you get to see the mailman in both, both instances, hate the snow. Hate the snow, hate the rain, and I hate the snow. <laughs> he falls through the snow. <laughs> great, great, great show. <laughs> Raiders of the Lost Podcast is brought to you by our friends, Manscaped.com. Use our code Raiders of the Lost at checkout today to get 20% off and free shipping on your entire order. And I highly recommend getting their lawnmower 4.0 groomer. This thing is waterproof, has a built-in light, has a wireless charger. It's skin-safe, 7,000 RPM motor. So don't worry, this is going to be the greatest gift you could give yourself for grooming needs. Also, Manscaped launched their Ultra Premium Collection recently, which is their ultimate wet goods bundle, including deodorants. Yes, actual armpit deodorant from Manscaped. Body wash, 2-in-1 shampoo conditioner, hydrating body spray. And the package also comes with a pair of Manscaped lip balm. This is the ultimate way to get going for spring and summertime for your daily grooming and shower needs. Gentlemen, get to manscaped.com. Use our coupon code Raiders of the Lost at checkout to get 20% off and free shipping worldwide. Let's move on to Rocket Power. 1999, it was released and it ended in 2004. It was created by Arlene Klasky and Gabor Cuspo, the creators of the Rugrats. The series aired, again, from 1999 to 2004. Rocket Power revolves around the day-to-day adventures of a gang of four young friends. The adventurous and vain sports enthusiast and perfectionist, Oswald Otto Rocket, his older, kind-hearted sister, Regina Reggie Rocket, the brainy newcomer and techno whiz kid who moves from Kansas to the first episode, Sam Sam. Dullard, and Otto's dim-witted but loyal best friend videographer, Maurice Twister Rodriguez. Twister. Twister. And then, Ray, and then their r- ridiculous dad, Raymundo. <laughs> <laughs> and then his best friend, Tito, who, and they run the shop together. The Shore Shack. Yeah, the Shore Shack. And this might have been one – this is definitely one of my favorites, and I loved Rocket Power. And skateboarding was – in extreme sports was, like, so in. Like, we had the X Games, and everyone was doing, like, either skateboarding or rollerblading or, or biking. biking. We were we – were, we were using we were, bicycles. Yeah, we were not skaters. I ride up bikes <laughs> and bicycles. Scooters. scooters. But Razor scooters. We were pretty late. Yeah. But it was, <laughs> it was fun watching this show, and like like you said, like – like I said earlier, the show has great themes. Like there's an episode where Otto like is obsessed with winning a competition, but then he learns that it's not about winning. It's just more about like having friends and being able to perform the sport and have fun doing it. Regina being a, the girl of the group, she's always having to prove herself. No one wants to take her seriously. Like there's that great episode, the surf competition where um, like the, I think people want to film Otto because he's a superstar. Because he's a superstar. Like everyone knows He's Otto. getting all the attention, but it's because he's a boy. And no one's taking Regina seriously. No one's even paying any her, her any mind. But then she surfs like crazy and just – she does like the best surf run. And then she like earns her place and shows other everyone that like a girl can do it just as good as a boy can. Yeah. And the show is so funny. It's so entertaining and fun. Life lessons, you know, accepting a newcomer to a group was really important. Yeah, to in the when, first they, episode. when they discover Sam's like a natural blocky, when the puck goes towards him, he's like, he can't do anything. No problem. But he can play. Did you say yeah. blocky? Blocky. Hockey. Goalie. Goalie. Did yeah. I say blocky? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who, who's the blocky on the Bruins right now? Because Tuka Rask retired. I don't know, hockey. 
<laughs> Anyways, Short Shack was great. It was so entertaining and fun. Shoobies. Beyond cool. Yeah, shoobies. the whole episode on Shoobies made me feel like a Shoobie. And yeah. Ever since then, I stopped taking, I took my shoes I will shoes never off. wear my shoes on a beach because of Rocket because Power. Because of Rocket Power. I will never wear my shoes at the beach. Exactly. Never, ever. And it makes you wish you could do the things that like Otto and Reggie and all of them can do. But I think, who's your favorite character in the show? I think mine was probably Twister. Otto was my favorite. Yeah. Yeah, I think Otto was my favorite. I think favorite. Twister was hysterical and super funny. Twister was great. He was, the, he was a great comedic sidekick, and Sam was funny as well. Regina's also an excellent... No, actually, Raimundo's my favorite. Raimundo, Raimundo, Raimundo is so funny. <laughs> He's awesome. You know, Regina has that great episode where she's getting her zine made and trying to get that shown by everybody, and everyone ends mm-hmm. up helping her out at the end. Yeah. Becomes popular and stuff like that. So this is just a really great heartfelt show. Yeah, awesome, awesome entertaining. Set in in California, like we live here now. We get we get the piers based on the Santa Monica Pier, so we see that all the time. And it's fun to like. I thought of Rocket Power the first time I saw the Santa Monica Pier. I was like, oh, it's just like Rocket Power. Sure made a huge impact on yeah, us. Absolutely. That show. I wish I was good at skateboarding because then I could <laughs> like it even more. But I still enjoyed watching it a lot. <laughs> all right, it's kind of like um, what's the movie? The, the the skateboarding one that came out with Heath Ledger as the, the instructor. And oh, um, the real life based one. Yeah, yeah, with um, dogs. The Do- Lords of Dogtown. Lords of Dogtown. Yeah, it, that rem- it reminds me of that too. Absolutely. That's our underrated had, movie. Yeah, it must have been inspired by that entire cultural shift in the in the seventies. Yeah, for I mean sure. the nineties. Yeah, the skateboarding scene in the eighties yeah. and nineties in L.A. Moving on to Rugrats. This came out in nineteen ninety one. Aired to 2004, created by Arlene Klasky, Gabor Huspo, and Paul Germain for Nickelodeon. The show focuses on a group of toddlers, most prominently Tommy Pickles and his friends Chucky, Angelica, and twins Phil and Lil, and their day-to-day lives, usually involving life experiences that become much greater adventures in the imaginations of the main children. And one of my favorite recent pop culture memes I've seen is... How like every dude has the hairstyle of Phil and Lil, where it's just like short as hell on the sides and just long as hell on top. <laughs> the high top fade, <laughs> the under the undercut. R- Rugrats was iconic, and it, it we grew up watching this probably more than anything when we were really young. Just yeah, I think we, were, so. we always had the Rugrats on. Great themes. It was really engaging for kids because it's babies, and when you're you're a baby, you're a toddler. So when you watch a baby on screen, you're like, hey, that's me. I'm just like them, and. So they, re- I, we really gravitated towards it. Yeah, and it ha- ran for nine seasons with 172 episodes, which wow. is the second longest running show I think Nickelodeon ever had behind SpongeBob. And even got a spinoff called All Grown Up, which premiered in 2003 for five seasons. This is when all that wasn't the, as good. The characters were were um, just like teenagers Middle now. Schoolers, yeah. Although that show had the the highest premiere for ratings of all time on Nickelodeon. I remember it was a big deal when it came out and like everyone was like, oh my God, the, the Rugrats show, it's their kids now because th- they made it for us. We were the same age. Yeah. So, but the show was not the same caliber. It, it ended up just like, I think, bombing. And it has no, bad, it, did, it did pretty good. It, no, for audiences. Okay. It only has like a six rating on IMDb, maybe still, lower. still five seasons is a long time for yeah. a cartoon. It's more than most of these shows. Yeah. And I love the surrealist nature of the show. The animation is really great. And I like how they didn't really try to change it too much as it got even more popular going down the line. Lots of great ideas for episodes. Learned a lot. Like I learned that dogs see through black and white or see oh, yeah, black and white yeah, or colorblind. Because blind. of the dog's POV. Because of the, yeah, yeah, there's that episode where we see his And POV. also like things, conflicts like kids have like, oh, is there a monster under the bed? Like there's a whole episode about Chucky being afraid that there's something under his bed. Also, a great one is when Chucky eats a watermelon seed and Angelica tells him that he's going to, a watermelon plant's going to grow inside of him. It's like real fears it's, that you had when you were yeah, kids. Yeah, I, whenever I ate watermelon as a kid, I swear to God, I picked out every seed because I was terrified of 
what happened in the show. I thought I was gonna die, or I thought a watermelon was gonna sprout. Same thing when I accidentally ate a seed. It's kind of like when like you drink tooth, or you accidentally ingest toothpaste when you're brushing your teeth, yeah. and you think you're gonna get poisoned, so you start chugging milk, like because you, you always heard like, oh, milk will help you stop poison from killing you. I don't know who came up with that BS. <laughs> I also didn't realize until I was doing research that there. Um, I don't know if all of them are, but a couple of them are Jewish, and there's a whole Passover episode. Yeah, that's a great episode. I didn't even realize. Oh, that, dude, that, the, the grandfather tells them about Passover yeah. and, then, and then the kids imagine themselves as different members of the Egypt story. It's an amazing yeah. episode. It's one of the best cartoon shows yeah. of episodes of all time. It's so cool. It's a great yeah, holiday like, episode. Like uh, Tommy's Moses, I think. Yeah. It's <laughs> great, man. I love that and then one. He, I think Angelica is the Pharaoh, the evil Pharaoh. Yeah. And Angelica is a great character because we need that bully in these kids' shows. Need it's conflict. really important. Need conflict. But what's really interesting is obviously the babies can talk to each other. The adults, they look at them. They just see Goo Goo Gagas, which is really fun. Yeah. And then, but Angelica can kind of traverse both worlds where she can interact and communicate with the babies, but she can also interact and communicate with the adults because she's a kid. And also, like, it's... It's common for, like, the older siblings or cousin to just kind of, like, look down on the really younger ones. Like, they're, it's it's accurate to, like, real life. Like, older siblings are always, like, kind of bullies to the younger ones. Yeah, and I love Phil and Lil. They're just so <laughs> silly. They're always doing a ridiculous thing, like, eat, digging and eating insects yeah. and earthworms. And they're just really eccentric and do silly stuff like that. Uh, Phil, Phil was, like, the most ridiculous. But I love how the hairstyle is, like, the same. Yeah, the same outfit, too. Yeah, Bas- It was, like, the yeah, same, same outfit. Same color yeah. coordination, just like us. Yeah, mom, mom dressed us up. <laughs> the same until we were like what five moms something like that till last year well maybe we, we'll get some photos and put po- yeah till last year we still dress the same another good one is when they fantasize as being adults so they had adult bodies but still had the baby heads <laughs> and they're like reading the paper in the morning before at breakfast and what's great is it's just it captures the imagination of very young children so well for example like like i'm sure you if anyone has kids listening or you have nieces and nephews little brothers and sisters and sometimes, you know, they get showered with toys or they get all these presents for a birthday or Christmas. But ironically, what they end up playing up with most is like a pot and pan or a box. Yeah. And it's that great episode where they have all these toys, but then they get a ton of these empty pickle boxes. And that becomes like the greatest adventure for the kids. It's a whole episode where these boxes are just like a world for them to enter and everything. Does Stu sell pickles? Or sell- yeah, he sells yeah, he's pic- a salesman for he's pickles, a pickle, right? pickle yeah. maker. Pickle salesman. Something like that. You can pickle that. Something. <laughs> <laughs> Reptar. Reptar. Oh, man. Yeah, it's great. Lit. <laughs> so cool. Like, Reptar was so cool because it felt like a real pop culture reference, yeah. even though it was a pop culture reference in a show. Also, the, Rug- meta. the Rugrats movie was really good. That, yeah, was, a a few good, of them. that was a good animated movie. The first one yeah. was, was great. The Rugrats movie, I can't remember what year that came it out. Was, it had to have been the late 90s, I think. But that was huge because you know that probably did really well at the box office. Everyone yeah. to see that. Then they had uh, Rugrats in Paris, I believe, was another one. Rugrats in Paris. <laughs> but Rugrats is a classic. <laughs> Someone's going to criticize that. <laughs> All right, let's do one more, then we'll head into intermission. How's that sound? Let's do Rocco's Modern Life. Rocco's Modern Life. <laughs> now, this show was just like ridiculous. It was created by Joe Murray for Nickelodeon. It premiered on September 18th, 1993, and ended in 1996 for a total of four seasons and 52 episodes. The series centers on the on the surreal life of an anthropomorphic Australian immigrant wallaby named Rocco and his friends, the eccentric steer Hefferwolf, the neurotic turtle Philbert, and Rocco's faithful dog Spunky. It is set in the fictional town of O-Town, 
Throughout its run to present day, this show is controversial for its adult humor, including double entendre innuendo, satirical social commentary, similar to the Ren and Stimpy show. The animation is great because obviously it's crude and because it's the earlier days of animation. So it looks like, you know, Rugrats type animation, but they went very creative with it. Very surrealist. There's strange imagery, weird imagery, disturbing imagery, um, weird episodes. Like there's a Salvador Dali visual episode yeah. where, where like they age and like it's the clocks are melting. Like there's a lot of great creative integrity in Rocco's modern life. And I think we were always just like fascinated with the imagery we were watching. Yeah, and the characters were, were great. I mean, Rocco was iconic and I love his accent and just all the things he got into every day. But he's like an adult, so but yeah. but it's a kid show with adult characters, kinda like SpongeBob has adult characters, and I like that concept to it. Heifer was ridiculously <laughs> funny. Then Filbert with his glasses was always a neurotic mess. He was kind of like a Woody Allen character, yeah. sort of like <laughs> <laughs> He had a family too. Yeah. And Spunky <laughs> the dog is just ridiculous. The show is silly, but is again very similar to Ren and Stimpy, controversial, lots of adult humor, not always hidden super well. But also good themes, like there's the one where Rocco has a garage sale to sell all the stuff he has, but then he ends up, whenever someone wants to buy something, he's like, it's not for sale. It's not for sale. And he and then he ends up refusing to sell anything because he loves everything he has. So he had, he ended up not wanting to just profit off of what he loved. And who was the, the frog character, the big like frog looking guy? That was Filbert. Was that no no Filbert's a turtle. Oh, but, um, but there was like Big a, Ed Bighead. Bighead, Ed, yeah. Ed, Ed Bighead. He was like an antagonist yeah, yeah, to the show. Yeah. Really great design. He had like a Raspy wife and stuff voice, too. Yeah. yeah. But he's just. It, I'm sorry. He, I'm sorry. I was thinking of him when I said he has a family. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Ed Bighead. Yeah. So Bighead was the. Philbert is the turtle with the glasses. Yeah, turtle with the glasses. Yeah, I mixed them up. <laughs> it's all Philbert. good. But yeah, I like the character design. It's really interesting. I like his shirt too. It's just like the blue shirt with the, the, pur- the purple triangles. Yeah. Very 90s style. Yeah, yeah. Those those uh, symbols were those were big back then. Those are just a big pattern. And there's a there's a great episode where Rocco becomes like the CEO of a company, and he's like smoking cigars, and <laughs> he becomes huge, and he like bullies the other characters. It's like it's so ridiculous sometimes. Love and it. also, there's the one where the bug is keeping Rocco awake. It's like a fly, and they're trying to catch it. It's just like that episode of Breaking Bad. Rocco's Modern Life, iconic, weird, but still a lot of fun. Are you a fan of movie posters? Then the best place to get your posters is at movieposters.com. Use our special promo code Raiders10 to get 10% off your order today. They have all sorts of sizes, framing, backlighting, as well as a selection of pretty much every movie and TV show imaginable in their arsenal. And today, they are doing a very special giveaway of a free poster of a Marvel movie of your choosing. So to enter this contest from movieposters.com, all you have to do is head on over to our YouTube and comment your favorite Marvel movie in this episode. That will automatically that will automatically enter you into the contest, and we will choose the winner in one week's time. Good luck, everyone. And if you don't win, be sure to head on over to MoviePosters.com for all your poster needs. And don't forget to use our special promo code RAIDERS10 to get 10% off your order. All right, let's head on into our intermission. And we'll begin with our movie quote competition. You ready? Ready. She may look like a sheep, but inside, she's a fox. Sometimes she acts like she owns the house. Huh. She may look like a sheep, but inside, she's a fox. Huh. I don't know. Parasite. Good one. Thanks, man. Good one. Here's my quote. You're no good. And I know that because neither am I. Silver Linings Playbook. 
Incorrect. Oh, hold on, say it again. You're no good, and I know that because neither am I. Man, I thought I had that. Wrong. Incorrect. What was that? Wrong. <laughs> He's <laughs> still go waiting for puberty to hit. I'm still a rugrat. <laughs> um, I don't know. Nightmare Alley. Oh man, you were right about Bradley Cooper. Just the wrong movie. I feel like there's a quote just like that in Silver Linings Playbook. Yeah, near the end, he says something similar to that, or she says yeah. something like that to him. Yeah. All right, guess this movie release year. It's a TV show, actually. What year did Are You Afraid of the Dark premiere on Nickelodeon? I'm going to go with 1994. 1996. Damn it. Great show. Great show. Okay. What year did Kronos come out? The Guillermo, Guillermo del, del Toro's Toro first movie. movie yeah. Second movie. Second movie? Second movie. 1995. Three. Ah. Actually, it might have been his first movie. Yeah, I'm sure it was. I think it was the first movie. Yeah, let, let me uh, fact check you. No, I'm pretty sure someone can fact check us. I think us. you're right. I think you're right. All right, in movie pop quiz time. When did The Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe come out? 2004. 2005. Damn. 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 James McAvoy. <laughs> He's the uh, the guy, the uh, half goat guy. <laughs> You're right, he is. The fawn. Yeah. Okay. Here's my quiz. What book trilogy did Guillermo del Toro write? The Strain Trilogy. Correct. Mundo. Co-wrote with... What's his name? Not Dennis Lehane. The other one. The other Boston author. Oh, what the... Bonus points if you get it. I can't remember. Chuck Hogan. Chuck Hogan. Chuck Chucky Hogan, Hogan kid. <laughs> yeah, guy. He's yeah, a good guy. writer, kid. Chuck Hogan. He's a good fucking writer, Very guy. cool vampire series that was turned into a TV show on FX that yeah. was pretty good, but the books are phenomenal. I highly recommend them. Yeah, yeah. Guillermo only directed like a couple episodes of the show. Okay. <clears throat> Who we got for haters, unsubscribers? What do we got? We got a couple. We have a couple. I actually have an unsubscribe, too. You have haters from your, your clip on TikTok. Which one? The car one. Oh, the car one. <laughs> so I made a clip where someone made a comment saying that the, ch the car chasing the Batman was dumb and it's just a normal car. And so actually, if you watch the movie, he's driving a Maserati. And so Maseratis are pretty fast cars. You know, I, I didn't say it's the fastest car in the world. So I made a clip replying saying, hey, it's not a normal car. He's actually driving a Maserati. They're pretty fast. They have Ferrari built engines inside. I didn't say if Maserati was a Ferrari. Ferraris are obviously way faster and better in pretty much every way. But then car TikTok bros just came out of the woodworks like, <laughs> oh, actually, just because it has a Ferrari built in engine doesn't mean it's the same thing as a Ferrari. I'm, I'm like, I didn't say it was a Ferrari. I just said I, I didn't say it was the same thing as a Ferrari or as fast as a Ferrari. Triggered. And all Triggered. I said was two factual things, that they're pretty fast and they have Ferrari built engines inside, which they do. They do. They're not exactly the same as the, an engine you'll get in a Ferrari, but they are built by Ferrari, which is a factual statement. They're pretty fast. Then someone's like, well, yeah, it's faster than a Corolla, but it's still not like super fast. <laughs> like, bro, it's a freaking $125,000 car. It's pretty fast. It's not It's not like they're driving 200 miles per hour. They're, My they're God. going like 80 miles per hour on the movie. I didn't say it's a Ford GT. Yeah. I said it's a Maserati. And then someone else is like, it's a horrible pronunciation of Maserati. I'm like, that's literally how you say the freaking how word. How else did you say it? I don't know. Maserati. <laughs> Man. I, I, just, I can't believe you said that it was pretty fast. The I funny thing is someone it. immediately commented. They're like, yo, car TikTok's about to come after you right now. <laughs> <laughs> All 
All right, so we have some unsubscribers. Um, Jess Morales wrote, no haters this week, unsubscribe. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Benjamin Cook, James was actually a chaser, not a seeker. Unsubscribe. Oh. In the books he was, but in the movies they changed It's it. in your blood. It's in your blood. Oh, so in the books he's a chaser? Yeah. You're right, because in the movies he's a seeker. seeker. Yeah. You're right. You won't make a fool of yourself. It's in your blood. <laughs> In your blood. <laughs> we have a wonderful five-star review for our supporter of the week. It's from Renee Curtis. Insightful reviews. De- hey, Renee. Delivered with, I can't, it's got cut off the rest of it. But anyways, James and Anthony have great chemistry and their lighthearted banter keeps reviews fresh. The show is not self-serious or overly produced and covers a wide variety of classic and contemporary films. Even when a film isn't necessary, Necessarily James's or Anthony's cup of tea, they are still respectful of the art of filmmaking and commentary does not stop to the, stoop to the level of harsh critique for the sake of hot takes. James and Anthony tastefully challenge each other with occasionally opposing views, and it is evident how much they both adore film. If you are looking for overly technical or esoteric content only accessible film only accessible to film majors, I would look elsewhere. But if you're interested in a joyful and earnest celebration of movies, do yourself a favor and subscribe. So oh, eloquent, Renee. Renee. That was wow. like the most much eloquent, more, yeah, much more articulate, articulate than we yeah. are. <laughs> Goodness. Thank you so much for that. We also have a Godfather shout out today for Caleb Jeter. Caleb. Caleb. On the day of my father, of, you of my daughter's wedding. You became a Godfather to your patron. You acted like a man. <laughs> <laughs> Caleb, thanks so much for supporting the show. You've been with us for a while, and he selected Mrs. Doubtfire for his bonus episode. Nice pick. So that will be a fun one to chat That's about. That's great. We love you, pal. On this day in film history, today is March 31st. It's a wow, Thursday. it's almost April. In 1939, The Hound of Baskervilles, the first of 14 films starring Basil Rathbone as Sherlock Holmes and Nigel Bruce as Dr. Watson is released. In 1983, Monty Python's The Meaning of Life is released. In 1989, Heathers is released. In 1995, Tommy Boy is released. 1999, 10 Things I Hate About You is released. 2000, Boys Don't Cry is released. 2001, High Fidelity is released. 2006, ATL is released. 2017, the classic Boss Baby is released. (laughs) And happy birthday to Ewan McGregor, a.k.a. Obi-Wan Kenobi, number one man in our hearts. Great date. That was, a, that was a lot going on. A good date. The busiest date of the year so far. Yeah, the best one so far. Yeah. My streaming recommendation is going to be Pig, which is on Hulu, starring Nicolas Cage. Great pick. We saw it in theaters. It was awesome. We saw it on IMAX. I'm, <laughs> no, we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine if they released that? Yeah, that in IMAX. Oh, my God. All right, my streaming recommendation is Antlers on HBO Max, which was a new horror movie from Scott Cooper last year. It is really terrifying, has some awesome, awesome action moments, like really shocking movie. Like we we were jumping in the theater. Jimmy Jimmy screamed a couple of times. Didn't scream. Ah! I squirmed. He was like, ah! (laughs) Oh, God! I don't scream in theaters. I'm not like that, man. At home you do. At home I'll throw pillows. (laughs) He'll stand on the couch. But it's a great, great horror movie. He's got a new movie coming out with Christian Bale this year. Oh, yeah. The the Blue-Eyed Man or... Pale, pale blue, blue eye. Pale blue eye. Pale blue eye. Pale blue eye. Yeah. Something like that. All right. Let's get back into our episode on the greatest Nickelodeon animated shows of all time and head into Ren and Stimpy, yes. which came out in 1991. It ran until 1995. Created by a Canadian animator, John Christophe Lucy. 
Originally produced by Spumco for Nickelodeon, the series aired again from 1991 to 1995 with a total of five seasons and 51 episodes. It follows the adventures of the title characters, Ren Hoke, an emotionally unstable and sociopathic chihuahua, and Stimpy, a good-natured yet dim-witted cat. This is the weirdest kids show ever. It's got to be. I wouldn't like can you even define it as a kids show like I it guess, is, yeah. But it's like it's crazy. so trippy. And you have a character who's like sociopathic and psychotic and delusional. It's it's wild. It's almost like Pinky and the Brain except just way worse and more surreal. Oh, Pinky and the Brain was good. Yeah. But yeah, that was yeah. Nickelodeon. That was, that was Disney. Was it Disney? Yeah, it was Disney. But um Ren and Stimpy, it's iconic. We grew up with it cuz our like um the other older ones, we they were watching it, our brothers were watching it and then we would watch it with them and then it's just like so bizarre so strange and out there and like it's super dark like Ren and Stimpy are homeless half the time and they're trying to like come up with schemes to make money like they they dress themselves up as monkeys to work in the zoo to, to live in the zoo so they could get free food and water and room and board like it's just the craziest circumstances for a kids show they were throwing darts at boards at any kind of yeah. idea for episodes there's episodes where they're outer space explorers the best episode yeah old west horse the thieves. soap remember this the soap ice cream <laughs> Ren's going so crazy that he thinks a bar of soap is an ice cream sandwich is, is insane it's nuts uh nature show hosts and it's just ridiculous you the know the toothache one when ren has nerve damage that is like a really disturbing one with imagery yeah it's very absurdist happy happy of, joy joy yeah. happy happy joy, joy lots of slapstick humor it's it's ridiculous dark humor sexual innuendos violence and shock value it definitely was a very controversial show and it's def- not. It's probably the most mature of all these shows. It's got to be. And, like, there's crazy episodes. Like when uh, uh, Stimpy makes a happy helmet for Ren and he goes and absolutely maniacally insane. And then, then there's one where they make this con where they're playing cat and mouse to try and, like, earn money as a as a gag it's it's ridiculous the things that they would get into the hijinks and it was very very grim very dark and grim sometimes very trippy a yeah. lot of teenagers watched this show for sure like our brothers were like teen they're in high school i would say almost if not some of them because 1991 to 1990 definitely older than yeah the, i mean i feel like if you like smoked a bone and watched this show it's like a probably a trippy experience <laughs> oh absolutely and the animation was just super strange and the the side characters were weird there's like this guy named harold lacour who's like a, a terrible guy and they they actually kicked him off the show because he was too dark of a character and then they sold the rights back to the creators of the character just a, a great classic trippy cartoon just shooting shots and pulling yeah, it off yeah they don't and make them like this anymore they definitely don't <laughs> parents would be outraged all right, let's move on. We have another iconic show that didn't run for too long, but oh, actually it did. But it, we have Cat Dog. It ran from 1998 <laughs> to 2005. Seven oh, yeah. years is pretty long. Yeah, yeah. I was created way off. by I was created by Peter Hannon for Nickelodeon. The show follows the life of yellow conjoined brothers of different species, with one half of the rest resultant animal being a cat and the other a dog. Nickelodeon produced the series from Burbank, California. The show aired from April 4th, 1998. Two and it, it followed the 1998 Kids Choice Awards. Then it ended, like I said, in 2005 in June after four seasons, 67, 68 episodes over seven years. This was a genius idea, like a, a cat and a dog are combined. And because we're twins, so we always like I think love the show because of that. Because they were like they're brothers that are like were born together. Not they're not twins, but in a way you could say they're fraternal twins. Yeah, and I mean. We know Pixar is known for doing like the duos in their movies, whether it be Buzz and Woody, uh, Sully and Mike Wazowski, Dory and Marlin. Most of their movies have duos, but you know, the cartoons were doing it first and just like Ren and Stimpy. 
Cat Dog was another great duo that we've seen in these series. And it revolves around them, who, again, they share the same body with no tail or hind legs. And although they're best friends and brothers, they have very different personalities. And so Dog is just very silly, very impressionable. He can, like, you can convince him to do anything. He's gullible. very gullible. He's yeah. just always having a good time. Yeah. Whereas Cat is, is smarter. More cunning. He always devises plans to trick Dog into getting what he wants. And it's their differences in personality that drive a lot of the plots. Like, there's a great episode where Dog's breath is so bad, so then Cat comes inside out through Dog's mouth. So he's just, like, got no skin. And then he brushes Dog's teeth while he's sleeping. And isn't since they share the same stomach, there's an episode where I think Dog keeps eating all sorts of trash and garbage. And it makes Cat, yeah, yeah, it and makes Cat, sick. Cat yeah. feels like the side effects yeah. of what he's eating. Exactly. And Dog doesn't feel anything. <laughs> and there's um great side characters. Like, there's the, the Rancid Rabbit. Then there's uh, Shriek and Winslow. Um, but also, like, there's a great episode where they swap intelligence. Because cat, and then cat becomes more like dog, and dog becomes more like cat. Because cat's always trying to like make dog smarter in different ways, and it's always it always backfires about him. And also, he's very prideful. There's an episode where he teaches dog that the Egyptians used to worship cats, and they're like they're put into the imaginary uh, story. It's super funny. But you know, I, I don't know if they worship cats, but that's always like a thing. In that culture. was always like a, a myth, I think. I don't know if they, they didn't worship them; they just liked them a lot. They're cool. Cats yeah. are, I like cats. I like dogs too. But it's like the best of both worlds, whether you're a cat person or a dog person, you still got mm. to enjoy the show. Absolutely. But it's great entertainment, super funny. It's just a ridiculous concept. And yeah, great back and forth between yeah. these two. We love this, this one. This great duo. Yeah. Next up, we have Ah! Real Monsters, which was developed by Klasky Kuspo for Nickelodeon. It aired from 1994 to 1997. The show focuses on three young monsters, Ickis, Oblina, and Crumb who attend a school for monsters under a city dump and learn to frighten humans. Many of the episodes revolve around them making it to the surface in order to perform scares as class assignments. And yes, this does sound a lot like Sounds Monsters familiar. If, you, if you go back in time. No, they copied it, but yeah. Yeah, they kind of copied it. This, and this is a movie that, a show that wouldn't get made against it because it's really weird and gross and disturbing, the imagery and the, and the animation. Uh, like the character designs, they're awesome, but they are pretty disturbing. Like Oblina is just like this skinny rod with like big mouth and lips that don't like seem to fit on her. And then Crumb, he's hairy and gross and holds his eyeballs in with his hands. hands. <laughs> and then Ickis looks like some kind of like demon mouse rat thing, but he's purple. And the Grumble, the teacher, he's like super weird looking with like 10 legs. And then, uh, but it's just. I think he wears high heels. Yeah, right? he wears high heels, like red high heels. Very strange imagery and all the monster designs, they're like creepy. Like as opposed to Monsters Inc., it's still like they're cute. All, they're, they're cute. Like none of them look too scary. Even Randall's Yeah, even like, Randall's not, not scary. Too scary yeah. looking. It's what he does and who he is that's scary. Whereas this, like every character is like disturbing looking. Like, imagine if these characters were like live action or like CGI like a Pixar movie. It'd be like, oh, that's gross. It's like what you expect like an actual monster would look yeah. like. I mean And it, they do gross stuff. And like Ickis's lips are just like wrapped around all his yeah. entire head. He's like, yeah, like like a red little and, demon and monster. They, and they have uh, cherished toenail clippings. Yeah. <laughs> they, that's their currency. That's their yeah, currency, right? Yeah, yeah. Toenail clippings are super valuable and they collect them. It's just gross. It's a fun show though. Yeah. I liked it a lot. It's yeah. just one of those weird shoot like taking shots and it's set in New York City and I believe they're like underneath they're at that dump near the Empire State Building, and there's some great episodes like Monster Makeover when Ickes refers to himself as the ugliest, slimest monster man on the side of Newark. 
And there's also a, a villain. He's a hunt. He's a guy who's a monster hunter, and he's always coming up with schemes to try and capture them. Yeah, it's, it's a good time. I like yeah. mon- I like Donnery monsters. Yeah, a it was lot. awesome. It was great. And we were I mean, again, we were primed. We were all, we always loved watching it. Age four to seven for us. Hell yeah. yeah. Next up, we have one of the longest running cartoons in Nickelodeon's history: The Fairly Odd Parents which is an iconic show about a young boy who has fairy godparents and they get into all sorts of ridiculous circumstances based upon his wishes and conflicts. And this was a really fun show, very funny, and just super creative, the things that they were able to do because he has basically, you have an unlimited source of creativity at your expense when you can do wishes. So they had a lot of fun with this show. Yeah, the show aired from 1998 to 2006 and then even had a spinoff of the same creators called Danny Phantom with the same animation design. We never watched that one. Created by Butch Hartman from Nickelodeon. Like Anthony said, the series follows and describes the adventures of Timmy Turner, a 10-year-old with two fairy godparents named Cosmo and Wanda who grant him wishes to solve his everyday problems. And I love... I love the concept, and every episode's great and unique because he always wants. He, it's like you think you would get everything you want if you had wishes granted all day, but they only lead to more problems in his life, yeah. and he has to try to figure out solutions to them. And it's really great. Cosmo and Wanda are hilarious back and forth. Like yeah. they're they're just like the most ridiculous godparents of all time. Their so voices funny. are so yeah. funny, and they get into all sorts of hijinks and everything. And there's great episodes. Like he, there's this one where they they have a copy machine that can create anything, a copy of anything, and he accidentally copies Darth Vader, and so then a Darth Vader shows up and tries to like destroy the town. It's ridiculous. Then remember the Chip the singer, the boy band singer. Yeah, <laughs> that was a good one. And then the the shiny teeth is a really good one. And uh, the um. There's one where his parents are mistaken for outlaws who look just like them. So he has to try and find them to to prove that his parents are innocent. The episode with his the babysitter, Vicky, that's Vicky, a really good yeah, one there's too. a bunch with Vicky. Yeah. Yeah, she's she's the next supporting character. And the Crimson Chin, the superhero. Yeah. <laughs> he was actually voiced by Jay Leno. And then um his dad is ridiculous. He looks yeah. like he looks like uh Don Draper from Mad Men in a cartoon form, but he's just such a fucking idiot. <laughs> Sorry for the F bomb. <laughs> <laughs> there's a good one where he um he wishes uh, Tom Sawyer would be real. So Tom Sawyer comes out of the book and because he wants him to help him with his book report on Tom Sawyer. But then he, he realizes Tom Sawyer is like an idiot. He doesn't. He's like illiterate. <laughs> Cosmo and Wanda are great because yeah. like, they always like insert themselves into yeah, scenarios yeah. with magic. And like they'll like go into it like there's one where Cosmo is on like a reality TV show where he married like, yeah. his car. And Wanda's like the the TV show talk show host. And she's like, so you married your car? He's like, yeah, now my kids have 14 miles to the gallon. It's like, what the hell is this show? <laughs> and they're all, like a little baby car. <laughs> oh, my God. And then they're uh... – <laughs> And then they're goldfish when they're just like not as themselves yeah. to, to disguise themselves. Super funny. So fun. It was such a great show. Let's move on to Angry Beavers. We this love this ran one. ran from 1997 to 2001. Created by Mitch Schauer for Nickelodeon. The series revolves around Daggett and Norbert Beaver, two young beaver brothers who have moved out of their parents' home to become bachelors in the forest <laughs> near the fictional Wyata Town, Oregon. And... This show is so good. Like D- Daggett and Norbert as brothers, they're they're like four minutes apart. They're not twins, but you know they're just born yeah. together. And Daggett is the younger brother by four minutes. He's very energetic, childish. 
He's got over-the-top sensibilities and emotions, always has these grand schemes and ideas that he wants to do, whereas Norbert is, like, suave and Super cool, cool and articulate. He's got better hair. Well-read, yeah. just more confident, but he's also, like, very lazy and patronizing toward Daggett. He's selfish. He tends to bully Daggett and insult him and take advantage of his brother, which always backfires on him. And so we love this show because we're twins and we were always bickering, and if we felt like we're, we're like Daggett and Norbert. We had a lot in common with them. And, again, I used to draw them all the time i would draw pictures of daggett and norbert in situations it was great but the great supporting cast like there's the barry the bear and remember he becomes a singer mm-hmm. like a uh, barry manilow-esque yeah. <laughs> like he sings like uh what's that famous oh i can't remember yeah um tree flower was a great one and there's awesome episodes like when when um norbert befriends the tree stump that they chew on oh it's like their best bud <laughs> yeah, yeah best stump stump <laughs> And there's a good one where um, he's like, like carvized. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's just a tree stump, but he's like always hanging out with him. He's like their best bud. And um, there's one where they they learn that they can mark territory, and so then they start marking everything in competition until they're marking the entire planet. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. And then there's one where Norbert's trapped at the zoo that Daggett has to rescue him. Just at, oh, then there's one another one where um, uh, Norbert farts on Daggett's head, and then Daggett tries to get revenge on him. <laughs> Just like fucking, Sounds like things we did. So ridiculous. But I, I love like their home, the treehouse home. And it's just so much fun. It felt like them two as bachelors, it felt like, oh, I w- wish we could live to- alone together. That would be so much better than living with our family. <laughs> it was, I think it was a really, really great show. All right, next up we have Invader Zim, which Invader I think Zim. is an underrated show. Yeah. It only ran from 2001 to 2002. It was created by comic book writer and cartoonist Johan Vasquez for Nickelodeon. The series centers on an extraterrestrial named Zim from the planet Urk and his mission to conquer Earth and enslave the human race along with his malfunctioning robot servant, Grr. He's antagonized by Dib, a young paranormal investigator who is determined to stop Zim from succeeding. This is, I think the show didn't run for long because obviously poor ratings would be the reason for that. But it was just, I think, different compared to anything else that was on Nickelodeon. It was pretty dark and the the, the animation was dark, like darkly lit, dark colors. Yeah. It wasn't bright and colorful. It's like purple, green, yeah, black. black. Lots of black and dark purples. So I think that the imagery wasn't as poppy as the other shows. I think that has a lot to play in terms of kids paying attention to things. But his show is great. Like the first episode when he he's he has like a, there's a giant race of his aliens and they're they're all over the universe like looking for planets to destroy and take over. And then he's a, just a one small member of this gigantic community. And he's like an outcast. He's kind of like a dork. Nobody like pays him any attention. Then he sets off to go to Earth to to dominate it and to prove everyone wrong. And then on the trip, the whole trip there, Gurr, his robot, is just singing. He's like, I'm going to sing the Doom song. It's a great episode. And then it says six months later, he's still going. But Sim's hilarious because he's always like, I'm going to enslave everyone and dominate the world. But he goes to school and he's just always trying to like learn more about humans and try and get an upper hand and try. He comes up with schemes to try and to achieve world domination. It's hilarious. And Gurr is just such a great companion. He's so freaking funny. And I think maybe the show might have scared younger kids from watching it. It can get a little. It was scary. a little dark sometimes the organ one where he has no human organs because he goes to the nurse because he's not feeling well and she's like and she tells him he has no organs so then he starts stealing organs and even uses like (laughs) household items as his own organs Uh, yeah so i understand why it didn't last very long but i think it was just really cool and very different 
And as the series went on, season two, they before it was even completed, Nickelodeon canceled the series, leaving several episodes unfinished. And then again, it ended in 2002, and which is unfortunate. But I mean, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, yeah. even though it's still a pretty good show. But I thought it was super funny. We always loved it. And we were we were very sad when they stopped making them. Girl was hilarious. Yeah, we, all, we thought it was a great, great show. It was excellent. Next up, we have Avatar, The Last Airbender. This aired from 2005 to 2008, produced by Nickelodeon Animation Studios, co-created by Michael Dante DiMartino and Brian Konietzko. Brian Konietzko, sorry. And Aaron Ehasserving as head writer. You're doing great, man. These are, these are weird. That's a these, big name. Ehasserving. Ehasserving. It ran for three seasons from February 2005 to July 2008. Avatar is set in an Asiatic-inspired world world in which certain people can telekinetically manipulate one of the four classic elements, water, earth, fire, or air, through practices known as bending, inspired by Chinese martial arts. The only individual who can bend all four elements, the Avatar, is responsible for maintaining balance among the world's four nations and serves as the bridge between the physical world and the spiritual world. The series is presented in a style that combines anime with United States cartoons and relies on the imagery of mainly East Asian culture with some South Asian, New World, Inuit, and Cyrenaic influences. Yeah, this is, um, I hear from people all the time. I never watched Avatar. I only watched a few episodes because yeah. we were 15. We kind of aged out our cartoons at this time. Yeah, so we were watching, I think, more mature content. And But also, but I mean, people keep telling me to watch this show. They say that it is by far the most mature, um, the best storytelling best kinds of characters just rich deep themes in world building and people i talk to who like the show they say it is by far the best thing that nickelodeon's done yeah the animation's really terrific it might be the best in all of these shows and it sets around the journey of 12 year old ang the current avatar and last survivor of his nation sorry if i pronounced the name wrong the air nomads along with his friends katara Sokka, and later tof as they strive to end the fire nation's war against the other nations of the world it also follows the story of zuko the exiled princess of the fire nation seeking to restore his lost honor by capturing ang accompanied by his his wise uncle Iro, and later his ambitious sister Azula. And the show touches on, you know, very mature concepts like war, genocide, imperialism, and even totalitarianism. So those are things that you very rarely see in youthful entertainment. Yeah, it's regarded by kids and critics as one of the greatest animated television series of all time. It won five Annie Awards, a Genesis Award, a Primetime Emmy Award, a Kids' Choice Award, and a Peabody Award. Wow, that's uh, the Peabody Award's a big one. The Peabody, Peabody, Peabody. But anyways, Peabody. I gotta get on it soon. I don't know, I don't know much about it, so I, I can't talk about it. But <clears throat> I'm, I'll get to it eventually. I promise. Next up, we have the Wild Thornberries, which was a terrific nature-driven show, which follows Eliza Thornberry and her family, Donnie, Nigel, Marianne, and their monkey Darwin, as they travel through the African landscape in South America, as Nigel. Is a um he's like uh, what's that famous guy's name the famous um nature guy Steve Irwin Steve Irwin he's like a version of Steve Irwin um so it's his job it's his parent their parent her parents job is to um photograph and and capture wild not capture but describe wildlife and see how they live and so they're always on these amazing journeys uh, traveling through the landscapes of of the world that we very few people see and also Eliza as the lead character. She can talk to animals, which is such a fun concept. This was just a really great, refreshing show. I think it's criminally underrated. It ran mm. from 1998 to 2004, and it was co-produced. It was produced by the people who made Rugrats and Aria Monsters. You can tell the animation, yeah. And 
the, the great thing about it, we talked about it real quick early on, is the surreal nature of, like, it's a great concept. I mean, this girl, Eliza, probably has the most interesting life of anyone in any of these shows as a, as a kid. And she, you know, she's traveling the world with her parents and her, her well, sister. Older sister who her, does not want to be there. Yeah, and then um, their, like, wild child adopted son, Donnie, oh, yeah, who's yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah. And then Darwin is her chimpanzee friend that she communicates with. And so she gets in all sorts of adventures and situations. Usually each episode's focused on, on, like, an indigenous tribe or a culture or an animal, a specific animal. And she uses her ability to talk to animals to either get out of situations, accidentally get in wrong situations. And I, I like the show because it's it's really respectful of different cultures. It's respectful of indigenous tribes all around the world, which they explore and communicate with a lot. And it's it's really cool. And I think it's a, an excellent concept for a show, one of the best on here. And it's cool because, like, every animal species have, like, their own culture that she – like, every, every episode has a different, like, animal and their culture. Like, the gorillas episode and there's the jaguar episode where they begin worshiping her like a queen because she can communicate with them and they have a temple. Uh, there's also I just love like the culture of every species that this team created for the show. And I believe if she tells anyone that she can communicate with animals, it goes she, away. Then it goes away. Yeah. But it's also that great concept. Is it is it like all in her head? Yeah. Is it really nothing? Is it just because this is her her dealing with some situation or something like that? So yeah. it's a great concept. And also Nigel is ridiculous because his nose <laughs> his is literally nose. the size of his entire head. It's so <laughs> funny. He's got like a really nasally Australian accent mustache. mustache. <laughs> What a great show. We loved it. Next, we have Jimmy Neutron, which aired from 2002 to 2006. Your doppelganger. It's legit. People say it all the time. Jim Carrey or Jimmy Neutron. I can't tell if they're compliments or slights. It's when um, your hair is really big. Jimmy Neutron was actually, yeah, you're right, was actually a movie first. It was Jimmy Neutron, Boy Genius, and the show was actually a spinoff from the movie. It is Jimmy Neutron, Boy Genius was oh, the first yeah. CGI feature-length movie made using off-the-shelf hardware and software. So stuff you could buy like at Staples. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Uh, the Adventures of Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius is an American television series based on that film created by John A. Davis. And the show follows an 11-year-old boy genius from Retroville, the eponymous character, who, as he goes on adventures with his best friends Carl Weezer and Sheen Estevez, throughout the show, various mishaps and conflicts occur on these adventures as Jimmy's Various inventions go airy. The series features voices of... Oh, we don't have to get into the voices. Remember his dog, Goddard? The robot Goddard, dog? Yeah, Goddard's, the gr- yeah, Goddard's great. He's just like a block. <laughs> Jimmy great. Neutron. This show was great in... And have such a highly intelligent character like this because it's his inventions and his and experiments are what cause all the... Drive the plot forward. Like, there's the one where he makes a, a love potion... To give to the girl he has a crush on, but then that backfires. He he acts. He makes a monster maker machine, and he accidentally turns all his friends into different monsters, like the werewolf and Frankenstein's monster and vampires. And that's a really great one. It's kind of like Dexter's Laboratory, yeah. except like a little more a l- nicer version of that, where yeah. he's not seeking like domination. He's seeking just to have fun, to experiment, yeah. and it also like. He he accidentally brings mummies to life, and they and mummies start chasing the kids around. That's a great episode. Yes, yeah, I think it's great to have kids like get interested in science like that. Yeah, it's it's great animation too because it was an early CGI show. It might have, I don't know if it was the first Nickelodeon cartoon. I think animated, it was the first Nick one. Nick one for Maybe. CGI animation. It wasn't the first CGI animated TV show, but I think it, I think the the animation was new, and now obviously 
uh, uh, these kids' networks are dominated by CGI animated shows. Yeah, it's basically all I think. Mostly, almost, almost everything yeah. you see now is animated. And another CGI. great one is where he they're on a baseball team and he invents like the baseball bat that can hit the baseball really far and and the the ball that can go super fast. So then they get to the championships and he's uh, he has a conscious crisis like oh I shouldn't we, we're cheating so we should stop doing this. So great great life lessons, but also a lot of fun, very creative, and uh, Jimmy's a terrific character. And the final show on this is uh, Chalk Zone, Chalk which Zone. ran from 2002 to 2008, created by Bill Burnett and Larry Hoover. The series follows Rudy to Booty, an elementary school student who discovers a box of lightning magic chalk that allows him to drop portals into the Chalk Zone, an alternate dimension where everything ever drawn on a blackboard and race turns to life. Rudy is joined in his adventures by Snap, a wise, cracking superhero Rudy once drew with a chalk, and Penny Sanchez, Rudy's academically intellectual classmate and personal friend. Chalk Zone is one of the most creative shows on Nickelodeon. It's a genius concept, and it's very cool. I like the animation when they're in the chalk world. And also, it's got great villains like Scrawl, which is like that character that he that Rudy drew, and he's just like a gross, weird-looking stick-figure monster. And then um, he's unhappy with how he looks, so he tries to get revenge on Reddy, on Rudy and Snap. It's a great episode. Yeah. It's a cool idea because I'm sure most of us spend a lot of time in school, if not writing on chalkboards. I don't, I don't even think schools have chalkboards very Probably often not anymore. anymore yeah. They're just like smartboards nowadays or whiteboards. Um, or even just doodling in your notebook. Doodling on chalkboards was always fun. It was a good time. And then doodling in your notebook. And then what would happen if those doodles came to life that would be so interesting and weird and trippy and i love movies that involve other dimensions and it's just a kid's show with a different yeah. dimension it's really fascinating it's a great concept it's, it's a pretty innocent show too it wasn't too crazy or disturbing but it was a lot of fun and it wasn't our favorite but it definitely was great and it's a bit of a later one on this list if i remember like we were getting older as this one yeah came we were out. starting to age out yeah. of nickelodeon cartoons, so i remember but... only watching this for like maybe a couple of years yeah, something like that but yeah, these are our favorite Nickelodeon cartoon animated shows. Good list. Yeah, it's what's a solid your list. what's your favorite? If I had to pick one, I think it's gonna be SpongeBob. I think it's SpongeBob too. SpongeBob is lit, it's bro. It's just always great. It's just too good. Yeah. Like I, I could watch SpongeBob today and laugh my goddamn ass off. Yeah. No problem at all. Yeah. I have. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, that wraps our episode on best Nickelodeon animated shows of all time. Hope you enjoyed this. Hope you got a little nostalgia and you don't feel too old like I do right now. But that was a lot of fun. Be sure to comment your favorite Nickelodeon show in the comments below. Take care. Bye. Raiders of the Lost Podcast is a Mirror Image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.